Hello, and welcome to Your Excuse, a Triluna podcast about redefining wellness and creating everyday magic. We're your hosts, Ashley Brooke James and Elizabeth Moore. Let's get started. Hi. Hi. We're back. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that out loud. We're like, back? People, no, like, hi. Oh. <laughs> We're like, the world hears me. Oh. Well, I think they heard you. So we're back, guys. Did you miss us? I just got back from Belize. Ooh, tell us more. I was in the rainforest for three days and at the beach for four, and it was really magical, and I really needed it. Um, But I'm back, and I'm safe. Back? back. Are you ready to fight behind the mic? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Had to say it for my people. So, guys, we are going to be talking about something that originally started Triluna. Both of our individual businesses before Triluna, too. Correct. The topic of today is? I don't see me. So we're talking about representation in the wellness space specifically. We'll talk about it generally also, but we're going to be talking pretty specifically about the wellness space, probably. And before we get started, we wanted to talk about what you are excused from and what you're not excused from, because this is the Your Excuse podcast, duh. So what you are excused from is not knowing what you do not know. What you're not excused from is a two-part answer. You're not excused from learning and then choosing to ignore what you learned and you're not excused from continuing to live in ignorance because it's painful or uncomfortable for you to look at. I'm reading this book right now called Small Great Things. The book is called Small Great Things and it talks heavily about a whole nother thing that we're going to talk about later, but it made me think of this today. Um, not seeing yourself. And I'll start out by talking about my wellness journey. I started yoga in 2013, 2012, 2013. I went to Hot Yoga Plus. Alpha Ellenson was like one of the only yoga studios at that time, well, that I knew of. Um, And hot yoga was a thing. And I went there, and the very first time I ever went there, I went with four of my girlfriends, and they all were African-American. And we went just as something to do, something to try. And out of the group of friends, I would say out of all of them, I'm probably the most active. And so I was actually the only one that actually went back. But when we went there, you know, I didn't pay too much attention to who was in the room because I was with my friends, so it really didn't matter. So I decided to go back because I really enjoyed it. And so the second time I went back, really enjoyed it, went back another time, and I continued to go because, you know, they used to run that $45 Mm -hmm. a month special. So you could go anytime. And one thing that I noticed very quickly after my friends stopped going with me is that I was always the only black girl in the room. I'm talking about there was never any teachers. Um, I really was thinking, I can't be (laughs) 
the only black girl in Nashville that's doing hot yoga right now. And so I started out doing hot 26, went to my first power yoga class, felt defeated and didn't go back and decided to go back. And when I went, there were two Asian girls that were in the class. And I remember this. It was a Monday class. We went every single Monday. And the three of us all made sure we were always together. I had been going to the studio for about six months at this time. And during that whole time that I was there, besides the teachers that I really liked at that time, they were the only ones that really kind of made me feel welcomed in that space and made me feel comfortable. And I feel like, well, I know the case behind that was because we were the minorities and we needed to come together. And I thought it was really sad because I really, really enjoyed this thing called yoga. And I really enjoyed what it was doing for my body and, you know, what it was doing. But I was really sad that I didn't see any of my my people, you know, in class. And I was even more taken back that we didn't have someone that looked like me, you know, leading these classes. So that's what really pushed me to get my certification because I really was like, this is a really, really great physical, mental workout. And by that time, I had discovered something far more than hot yoga. I was, I found yoga with Adrian, so I was realizing that we could be something done, not in a hot yoga studio. And what is yoga with Adrian? So yoga with Adrian is a... Um, a channel, a YouTube channel that both of us really found our yoga practices in. During that time, I had really started suffering from chronic migraines and the thought of going into a hot yoga studio was like, not even like you didn't even want to do that. So I found yoga with Adrian and Adrian is a young woman who started doing yoga, uh, yoga videos out of her home, which still to this day, she does them out of her home. But since that time, and that was like five, six years ago, and since that time, I mean, she's blown up. Yeah, she, she's she, doing well. She does really well. She's an Adidas advocate. She travels the world. And even still with Adrian, I mean, she was a white woman, but she made her yoga accessible to everyone. And I felt like a lot of people could relate to her. And so getting back to what I was saying as, as far as, my certification and why I got that because I felt like I could be an advocate in the black community and introduce this on a whole nother level because I know after that first power yoga class there was a lot of trauma that came with that which caused me not to go back and I can only imagine for someone who never ever done this before someone who may not even look like the teacher that's teaching the class or anyone in the class in general, how that can be traumatizing. And for me, getting my certification was to show people who looked like me that this is accessible to you. And I'm sorry if I was just going on. I mean, but I mean, it's real. At that time, five, six years ago, there were no black yoga instructors in Nashville. You should never apologize for that. You're right. I should not apologize for that. Uh-uh. So I'm excused, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm excused from that apology. Yeah. Um, well, my story is 
different, um, but similar in some ways, too. I found yoga a long time before I actually fell in love with yoga. Similarly to Ashley, I found it and then went to a class and was like, oh, crap, this is really hard. I don't think I like this. It's too hot. And I didn't go back for like three or four years. My sister had taken me to the first one, um, which is ironic because now I can barely drag her to a yoga <laughs> class. She's like a huge hit lover. Was that? Hey, Rachel. Hey, Rachel. She's the best. You should check her out on Instagram, Rachel's Real Meals. Anyway, I, I went to yoga and I was interested in fitness and I had gone to many a class over my lifetime. But kind of like I mentioned in the last episode of this podcast I have been told by doctors since I was very young that I'm overweight because of my BMI and so I felt like I needed to find fitness to make me better (laughs) to heal me in in some way and so I was a runner and I I you know did every diet and I tried every kind of workout and I just could not make my body smaller. I just, outside of my eating disorder, I struggled to, to lose any weight. Um, it was my set point. It was the weight at which my body wanted to be. But everyone in all of the yoga classes I was going to was thin and white and like very thin and very muscular and very toned. And this was like 2014. So mm-hmm. it, the yoga landscape was way different then than it is now. Absolutely. It was very privileged. I was going to say white. Yeah, it was very privileged. (laughs) And now looking back on this, understanding the depth of my own thin privilege and white privilege, this story is like kind of convoluted and clouded in my mind. And I I feel very conflicted about even the origin of it because I, I felt ostracized from a community in which I was actually very much a part. I just didn't feel as much a part of it as everyone else. But regardless, I didn't see anyone my size, and I didn't see, certainly didn't see anyone bigger than me. And I knew that that wasn't representative of the population. And then I went on, we're trying to cuss less, I went on freaking Instagram, and every single person was in a upside-down headstand in a bikini on a beach. And I was like, shit, I am not a part of this world. This is not accessible to me. I cannot make that 14-layered smoothie in that mason jar. I cannot stand on my head. I'm certainly not doing it in a bikini. This isn't for me. I'm not reflected in any of this and in this lifestyle. Plus, I was working through an eating disorder, and so I didn't want to behave in ways that would trigger that. I didn't want to go on another diet. I didn't want to try and make my body smaller of course I still at that point wanted it to be smaller and will probably always struggle with that but I wanted to feel like I could walk into a space and not have to spend the entire class worrying about my stomach in my yoga pants you know and I I didn't feel like I could find a community where I felt safe until I found Kali Yuga which is where Ashley and I did our yoga teacher training yes And I will say that is another reason why I went to Kali Yuga. At that time, there were three black yoga instructors that had not only were they teaching there, but they went through their 
teaching program, which I had done my first certification out of state. I wanted to get away. But knowing that, I had been following the three of them. I had reached out to the three of them. Hello, Renee, Jamal, and JoJo. <laughs> we, um, but I reached out to all of them, sat down to talk to them, learn more about the program, and then Kali Yuga at that time was the studio that, like you said, made me feel comfortable, made me feel at home, and they were meeting me where I was at that time. Yeah. And this is why we, when I started More Nutritious with my sister, I started it as kind of like a an anti-Instagrammer yoga account. And it wasn't even just yoga then. My sister and I were health coaches. And we were really interested in creating uh, an Instagram and a following and being influencers where we were showing more representation of what was available in the wellness world. I was in recovery, um, and so I didn't want to use a lot of diet language, even though I was still very imbued in that culture and didn't understand it totally then. But we really created it as the antithesis to what we were seeing. So we didn't post bikini photos, and we didn't post, like, super advanced yoga poses all the time. We wanted to be something different, and that's – and you were doing the same thing with Yoga AB. Absolutely. I wanted people to know that yoga was more than going to a studio and doing a flow. I wanted, especially at that time, because my way of taking it into the black communities was working at the biggest black church in Nashville. (laughs) Hello, Mountain Zion. Um, So I went there and a lot of women, this wasn't accessible to them. So I needed them to understand that you know, their prayer is a form of meditation. You know, their their um, cookouts and church gatherings, that was yoga. That was community. That was union. That Nourishment. Was, yes, this is what yoga is. And so I wanted to promote yoga on a whole nother level through food, through relationships, through fashion. So people truly understood what that meant. And so when Elizabeth and I came together, you know, we basically took our brands and merged them together to build Triluna. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to make a company that was realistic, sustainable, about overall wellness, not just fitness, not just fitness. (laughs) Right. And where anyone could see themselves represented. Like we, and we're going to dig into this many times, but we had to be really intentional about building a diverse team. And that is hard sometimes, but we know how important it is because we almost didn't fall in love with yoga and wellness the way we did, which Mm -hmm. changed our lives. We almost didn't get there because we didn't see a space for ourselves. We had to carve it out. We We luckily both happened on the same yoga studio But if Callie hadn't been there, I probably wouldn't have gone back to yoga. I probably wouldn't have got my second certification and just settled for what I had. And so, again, it's very intentional for us to, when we look at our team, that we are intentional that is everyone out there being represented. I mean, we have very candid conversations on our team. Like, we look at our team, okay, we have you know, 
half black, half white. Okay, that's cool and all because we're a black female and a white female, but where does our Hispanic culture fit in? You know, where do where does our Asian cultures fit in? Like, where are we missing in the gaps? And we're not afraid to have those conversations mm-hmm. where we can be intentional about bringing everyone to the table. Yeah. I think that it starts with us. Mm-hmm. Everyone on our team sees how we can be very open and candid about learning about each other's backgrounds and how we were brought up. And I, I feel like that's had, that has been a big reflection on our team overall, which when we are having conversations about what we're missing and representation, our teams are our team is so quick to say, hey, I have a friend that, mm-hmm. you know, has this. Or, hey, I have a friend that is this. And it just makes it comfortable for everybody to be intentional. Yeah, yeah and on a fundamental level, it's literally just better business. Like, I don't understand why people haven't caught on to that yet. Like, when I go to a website that I love and it's all skinny white girls wearing the clothes, I'm like, well, what would that look like on my body? I don't know. I'm not going to buy that because it probably doesn't look on me like it looks on that model. There is so much growth and potential in being inclusive and accessible to the rest of the world. Like, obviously, monetary value is the least of those concerns, but it's just like... I can't understand why everyone doesn't see the intrinsic value and being more welcoming as a whole. Yeah, It makes a huge difference. I mean, if we want to talk large, large scale, I mean, let's look at Rihanna's. Um, Savage Fenty. Yes. And then we look at Victoria's Secret. I don't know if you heard this, but mm-hmm. Victoria's Secret has been sold, you know, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Rihanna came to the platform and was like, here, I want every single person mm-hmm. represented. Like, I want everyone to see themselves. And that is important, and it has changed the face of everything. Yeah, well, because that really, like, thin, lithe body type makes up such a small percentage of the world. Like, tiny. Like, Caitlin, can you look up this the stat that's like how what percentage of women are considered plus size in the u.s it's crazy it's a crazy number it's like 80 percent or something caitlin's gonna fact check me on that and then maybe we'll just edit in her talking over me or something but (laughs) it's it, it doesn't make any sense to cater every single thing that we do to the thinnest one percent of our culture it just doesn't make any sense to me 67% are considered plus size. That means your your plus size numbers are wrong. That doesn't make sense. If a majority of the population is considered plus size, then that's a, I want to cuss, that's a BS metric. I mean, representation matters. It matters across the board. It matters on the websites that you shop on, on the, I can't tell you how many times I've looked through a website, thought, oh my gosh, those clothes are so cute. I would love to wear those clothes. And then thought, no, actually, I'm too big for that. That wouldn't look good on my figure. That wouldn't suit me. And then I feel like shit. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not shopping at those stores anymore. I'm not following those upside down yogis and bikinis. I mean, I'm not. But think about it also when we get all these cool new bars in Nashville. I mean, who do you see in the pictures? You might see one black person. That one token person. 
and we're gonna have a whole nother conversation on that. But I, what I really want to talk about is knowing the difference between diversity and inclusion, because I feel like a lot of times people want to, you know, group them in to the same thing, and they're completely two different things. Diversity is being invited to the dance, where inclusivity is being asked to dance. So at Triluna, I think about, we've already talked about the diversity piece, how we are intentional, how we have open conversations, how we don't let being afraid of not of saying the wrong thing like block us from having conversations. We allow our friends to tell us that we said the wrong things. But what I what really stands out to me as far as the inclusion piece is that every event I I sit back and I watch our team and I watch watch you and I watch how everyone on our team go makes a relationship with someone who is completely different from them whether it be skin tone body type you know I like to say abilities and disabilities, whatever. I feel like our team is triggered to go to someone that is completely opposite of them to build conversation, to learn more about that person so that person doesn't feel like they're alone at this. We have a lot of women who come to our events by themselves. And it is our job to make them feel like they did not. They came in and they knew every single one of us and we're going to treat them just like we treat our best friends. For the next portion of our podcast, we'd like to introduce Jimmy Burke for the word of the day. Word of the day! Ding! You know when teachers are like, use your core? What the fuck does that mean? Well, your core actually goes from your diaphragm all the way down to your hip flexors. So most of the time when people think core, they think your ab muscles. Belly. But you have deeper core muscles than that, right? There are three different abdominal muscles plus all of the supporting small muscles around your spine. For example, multifidus. (laughs) <laughs> Inside you. Um, and it also includes your pelvic floor. And so when we say strengthening your core, we mean a lot more than just strengthening your ab muscles. Oh, yes. You have to. Especially the muscles around your spine, right? That really That's, helps with stability. Honestly, those smaller, deeper muscles around your spine, like the multifidus, um, are almost more important than your abs. The abs are there for a specific function, half of that function is to keep your um, keep your abdominal organs in. Um, but it is, they are there to help you to stay erect, but the muscles that do more to keep you erect are the ones that are around your spine. So you really have to work those small muscles. Bing! Okay, Ashley, what is your first tip for bringing more inclusivity into wellness or into your life in general? I'm going to say in wellness in general, I feel like yoga studios, 
in general because I don't go to a lot of gyms. So I can only speak about the yoga studios. There are some who do it well and some who are missing. I feel like it is the yoga teacher's job to make everyone feel included. I can't tell you how many times I've been in classes where I haven't even been spoken to besides the actual class. So I feel the biggest tip is making people feel welcomed, learning people's names, um, building relationships with them. Maybe even, you know, if you're a yoga instructor and you're in a studio and you've made that conversation and you see that your teaching style may be sustainable for that person, tell them where where else you teach. Tell them where your schedule is. Maybe give them some tips you maybe saw them struggling with in class or maybe they told you they had a pain. Offer up more information. Make yourself available and make it less about, you know, getting in and out in that hour and make it more about community building. And you have to be intentional. I once had a conversation with, uh, she was a, an older white woman and she has a recruiting firm, I think. This was a while ago. I can't remember now what she does. But she was like, how do I get more minority people into my company? She was like, it's so hard to find them. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not. You just have to be comfortable getting uncomfortable. You have to be intentional about what you're doing. So I was like, well, why don't you go to the Black Chamber of Commerce and say, hey, I have five jobs available. I would like to offer them to you first. Do you have any applicants that would be appropriate for this job? It's like, you just, you have to just get creative and get outside of your own tiny little box long enough and give a crap enough to actually do the work. We had a supper club this past weekend and the topic was creating and nourishing diverse and inclusive communities and this exact topic kind of came up and Courtney Hale who has an incredible organization called Knowledge Bank said said simply do the work he was like there's no excuse for not just doing the work and then there was a conversation about how understanding can be difficult and there's a learning curve and all that kind of stuff And I understand that, but kind of like what we said at the beginning, you're not excused from, like, wallowing in your own ignorance. Like, just spend enough time getting uncomfortable that you can make a huge difference in your local community by, especially if you have jobs or opportunity that you can offer, go to the Black Chamber of Commerce. Go to the LGBTQIA Chamber of Commerce. Like, there are organizations that exist that will help you. Yeah, all these resources are available to you. I like to say place yourself in a space where you're the minority. It's easier for me when we go to networking events and I do a lot of things in the hospitality. I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm the minority. But think about going to things like Liz said. There's so many black networking groups that you can be a part of or Asian or Hispanic or I mean just place yourself where you're you're the only minority like you're the only person of your particular color in that room it's easier for me can you talk about your experience I 
talk about one of your experiences where you've been in a situation where you've placed yourself in a position where you're the minority. So one time we had an event that was on Jefferson Street, which is near TSU and Fisk University, and it was a panel, and I was the only white person in the room. And it was the first time in my life that I thought, oh, yeah, this is literally what it's like for Ashley all of the time. I was pretty comfortable because I was, like, with my friends, but I thought how it was noticeable. I noticed it, and I I knew that people noticed me. And it was the first time that I realized that I could step out of that and go back into my mostly white world and not have to feel that discomfort. And then I, I realized that that was something that you were dealing with on a daily basis. And that was like a definitely an oh shit moment for me. And so that happened our first year together. So this is a year and a half later, December of 2019, same situation where she's the only, well, it was probably like two or three other white people in the room. But it was a whole situation, a different situation for you then, right? Like you felt, what did you tell me? The 80-20 event. I told her when we left that event, I was like, I feel like this was like, I've never seen you this comfortable in an environment (laughs) of people. The more time you spend with people who are unlike you, you realize that they're actually very like you. And there's no real difference at all. And so I, I mean, definitely I stood out, but like, it didn't matter to me anymore in that space. Tip number four. We haven't numbered them, but this is four, I think. Um, listen to the lived experiences of people outside of your race, size, background, and economic status. I cannot stress the importance of this enough. Like, listen to podcasts by black women if you're a white woman. Or, like, I read the book Shrill by Lindy West, who claims that she's, she says she's a fat female comedian. And she talks about her lived experience as a fat woman in America. And it is like, you cannot understand what someone goes through until you hear it from their mouth. And so the more that you can get into the stories of people's lives, unlike your own, you'll, you'll never really understand. But it, it makes such a huge, I remember the first time, I, I think I must have been like, 10 8 or 9 or 10 or something like that I was reading one of the American Girl Doll books by Addie and it's a slave narrative and it's a story of her life and it rocked my world I it was the first time that I had a a, like a first-hand account I think it's fictional but it's based on truth a first-hand account of what it was like not in a textbook not abstractly but like very subjective truth about what that experience was like and it rocked my world and I that was the first that was a point at which I realized I was interested in diving headfirst into the lived experiences of other people and that's probably why I became a lit major honestly and for me I feel like you know ask questions have informative conversations about things you don't know you're never going to know unless you ask questions. And don't be afraid of saying the wrong things. I feel like so many people are so worried about saying the wrong things, it prevents them from not saying anything at all. And in my opinion, that's worse off. So ask questions. 
And and if you get an answer that you don't like, you can't be a defensive about that answer. I feel like that's where the conflict comes in because people are quick to become defensive on questions that they may have asked that may have not turned out in their favor. Yeah. White fragility is what that is. Yes. When you're talking about it in relation to race. Absolutely. So putting yourself in positions where you can ask questions. Sometimes I purposely have questions or, I'm sorry, I purposely have conversations with Liz just to see how she will respond to it in hopes that she will take it back to her group of friends and have that conversation. And nine times out of ten, she does. And she'll come back to me and she'll be like, hey, I brought this up in my friend circle. And I just can't believe that they would see something this way. But she got the conversation started. And we need that more, right? We need that more amongst all of us. I mean, obviously, Liz and I, we are business partners, we're best friends, we're wives, we're sisters, we're all of that. So we've gotten to a place where we're comfortable. But as we bring people on our team, like Grace, I feel like I've learned so much by Grace being on our team, Mm -hmm. you know, and I want to learn more. You know, I want her to feel comfortable as well as I want to feel comfortable. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, when I have those conversations with my friends, they didn't, they weren't aware of something before. And then we have a conversation and they're like, oh shit, I was like unaware that that was a thing. But that's the thing. You are excused from not knowing what you don't know. It's what you do after you find something out that really measures your moxie. Measures your what? Moxie. Moxie. <laughs> so guys... We know we've been hitting you with some real, real stuff, but we this is stuff that we want to talk about, right? We want to talk about how we hate diet culture. We want to talk about how we're not being represented in the wellness world. We want to bring all of these conversations all the time to the table. I listened to this really good podcast by Janet Stovall. It was a, I said a podcast. I listened to this really good TED Talk by Janet Stovall, and it talked about how to get serious about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, and they had systems put in place, like some high-level stuff, like if you're not meeting the mark, if you're not, you know, hiring this particular race or this amount of women or this, like, people get fired. Things are taken, there's consequences that come with that. And as we grow as an organization, I mean, we won't always have our hands on who's being hired. And I think I highly recommend that podcast to every company out there. TED Talk. Dang it. (laughs) It's probably on a podcast. Yeah, it's probably on a podcast. But Janet Stovall's TED Talk, it's amazing. And I think that more companies, as well as Triluna, as we turn into this international global company we would be able to uh implement as well y'all should have seen liz's eyes when i said i'm ready (laughs) but also like take small actions like when i this is just like me being a total um activist troll and i don't mind i'm happy to do it but sometimes i'll see a company and they'll post their instagram will just be loaded with like thin white women 
and I'll just comment publicly and be like, hey, I'd love to see more representation and race and body size on your feed. Could you maybe talk to me about how you might do that? Sometimes they respond and they're like, we're working on it. We'll, we'll let you know when it's up. And some of them just delete it and some of them are shitty about it. But there are small actions you can take to let the companies perpetuating these standards know that it's not okay anymore. Like, they, like these companies are not excused. No. You know better by now. You no, know girl. better. You know better. Do better. You know better. You're a Do better. huge multi-million dollar company. You know that representing the one thinnest percent of the population is no longer okay. You know that airbrushing your models is no longer okay. But you don't give an F. All you care about is making money and perpetuating the feeling that we're never enough so that we keep buying your shit. And I'm Ready not... Ready to fight y'all! I'm not down with it anymore. I'm over it. Well, don't buy from those people. All right. Well, before she starts the fighting <laughs> behind the mic... Um, but I feel you, though. Any last things that you would like to say? That was my, that was my thing. That was it? That was it? Yeah. That was it and that was all? I didn't mean to get heated at the end. No, you, you, you mean, <laughs> you mean it. I do. You mean it. And I got your back. Representation matters. It does. So do yourself a favor. Put yourself out there. Make you some friends who don't look like you. Read some books. Watch some shows. Do all the things. To make this world a better place. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm getting the. She's the getting eye. the sillies. So, um, <laughs> Ashley, how are you going to bring more everyday magic into your life this week? And how did you do with the meditation from our last episode? The meditation is working very well for me. I need it as we continue to grow and get busy and different things arrive, I definitely need that meditation. So I've been really um, steady on that. And so my focus on my magic um, this week is to have fun with my friends. <laughs> I feel like I've been um, telling everybody no lately because I've been needing a lot of alone time just to recuperate That's right. from everything that's been going around me. So I want to have fun with my friends. Elizabeth, mm -hmm. what type of magic are you bringing to the world this week? And how did your meditation work out for you? Not only the week we put it out there, but also did you take that to Belize? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I had a lot of time in nature which to me like kind of is the right. deepest meditation that I can have yeah. I had on well okay so yes the deepest meditation I had was when we went snorkeling and it was you can't hear anything because your ears are underwater but everything is like serene and surreal and so beautiful and just it was like being in a whole other world and I was completely present also because I'm terrified of fish and there were like literally fish everywhere obviously I was snorkeling but between the fear and the serenity I found a meditative state that was really beautiful and so I didn't I did some journaling but I didn't do as much traditional meditating but I did my own version of it 
Right. Meditation is meditation. Yeah. You met yourself where you were. Yeah, I did. In Belize. I met myself in Belize. So what about this week? I'm going to focus on my personal growth in two ways. I'm going to focus more on the those lived experiences that we talked about. There have been these like business books that I've been wanting to read forever that I haven't gotten to. But when I take the time to like invest in my personal growth and my knowledge, I feel better. I'm also recovering from some a round of antibiotics, which I don't normally take. And so I'm, I've cut way back on drinking and I'm eating a ton of fermented foods. And I'm really conscious of my gut health right now because it's so fragile from the antibiotics. So I'm, I'm being very, very intentional about my self-care. And it feels a little bit like magic. Magic. Ding. So, guys, that's it. We did it again. That's it and that's all. That's it and that's all. Peace out.